Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man! And just like that, the Watching Comics Podcast is back where we bring you the most trusted takes and opinions on the intersection of comic book entertainment hitting your screens both big and small because it is the 21st century and watching comics is literally a thing. It's an exciting time to be alive. My name is Mitch. My co-host is Jake. And we're just bringing you the conversations we would have uh, anyway, except we plugged in some microphones and parked them on the internet and called it a podcast. Oh, yeah. So anyway, Jake. How are things? Things are good. Things are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm busy and that's okay. Things are good. Yeah. yeah. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. Doing that whole dad thing, job oh, thing, yeah. you know, yeah. grown I, up, adulting, attempting. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. I guess it might catch on. I don't know that, that whatever. <laughs> yeah. So there's that, but yeah, we're doing all right. Happy-ish, healthy-ish. Okay. Jake, things are happening which is cool. Um, Marvel has unveiled another TV property because they just are churning that stuff out. And I'm really interested to see where this thing goes, but uh, it's early, but we definitely wanted to hit on it early and then maybe revisit it after the whole thing finishes and we could tie a bow on the whole thing. But Jake, tell the listeners that didn't necessarily read the title or the episode description what we're dishing on tonight or today or whenever they're listening. Yeah, this time is going to be a fun one. Um, This is a show that I've been personally really excited for for quite a while. Uh, It's a property of Marvel's that I'm a big fan of, and that is Miss Marvel. No, no, not Carol Danvers, who you've already seen in a feature film. For those of you who are a little bit behind the times for about the last decade or so, maybe just a little less. Decade, y'all. Yeah, give or take. um, Miss Marvel has been one Kamala Khan a Muslim American uh, youth from a young lady in Jersey City. I'm just trying to get all my Miss Marvel facts straight in my head. Uh, I believe her family is. Pull a up Pakistani the Wikipedia descent. page and don't botch it. We're gonna get fact checked. Yeah, I know, right? No, I'm trying to. Go, I'm trying to. I'm trying to shoot from the hip on this one. Let's see how it goes. Uh, I believe her family is <laughs> of Pakistani descent. Uh, she is in the comics a member of the Inhuman race. And, mm. and that's that has been a sticking point for some people, but I, I think that might be part of our breakdown tonight. But yeah, Miss Marvel's here. She's on the screen, man. Absolutely. Ms. Marvel making it happen. Kamala Khan discovers that she has polymorphous powers. And so big stuff. Apparently on IMDb, this is only going to be a six episode kind of limited series type of thing. I, I haven't done a huge deep dive on internet research. I don't know if they were anticipating a second season for this thing, or if this is just going to be a one-off pop. And then maybe she exists in phase four or phase five and some various capacity. I don't know, but we know for a fact we're getting six episodes of this thing. The first two episodes have dropped by the time we started recording this. I've watched the first one. I don't know if you've watched the second one yet, Jake. No, just the first episode. Cause you know, we've talked about this. I'm really bad about if I accidentally jump ahead or intentionally, you know, there's a really good chance you get going tired to... of waiting on my slow, butt. no, no, it's not even that. I just there's always a really good chance that I'm accidentally going to start like breaking down something that happened later. Um, such an overachiever. I know, you know, the worst case scenario is what happens though, is usually it's more subtle than that. 
is let's say the first two episodes of a show are a slow start, but the last four in this case are awesome. What I'll end up doing is like, we'll review the first two, but I'll be talking about how I feel about the whole series. And it just, <laughs> it screws the whole thing up. And so, you know, I end up coming back. I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't really say what I felt there. And that's on me. So no. So all that. Or to both say, episodes one episode, sound the same when you're like, Hey, I really liked it. And the next exactly. Like, hey, yeah. Hey, I really liked it. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, and maybe I, I accidentally blow something in the first one. So then in the second, one, I'm like, Oh, can't talk about that now. So yeah. No, I, uh, so first episodes, what I've seen to answer. So your yeah, question. That- that's what we're dishing on initial takes on the first episode, knowing that we've got five more waiting for us. And we will certainly come back when the whole thing is done and put a bow on this thing. But Jake, um, Ms. Marvel, there was a lot of, you know, buzz leading up to this one for, for various reasons, obviously. Now we've made it clear on this podcast before, but if you're a relatively new listener, thanks so much for joining us. Both Jake and I are white guys. Um, and we, we try really, really hard to, to check our privilege in the best capacity that we can, but also recognize that just, you know, because of where we were raised, how we were raised and who we are, we were given some privilege, whether we asked for it or not. And that, that brings with it some certain contingencies and some blind spots potentially. But I say that to say that I think one of the biggest reasons why this show was, was so anticipatory, at least, you know, in, in the circles of the internet that I run in is the representation factor. And I, oh, yeah. like, I, I don't, I don't want to misspeak, but also like, that's a big piece here, right? No, it's a huge piece. The characters, actually the creation of uh, G Willow Wilson, who is a uh, Muslim American uh, and so, you know, for her, it was a big part. It's a very personal character she's talked about in the past that, you know, it was a big deal to her to, to put this character out there and give some representation and, and bring a heavy hitter to Marvel's, Marvel's universe that could, you know, that, you know, she could see young women like herself seeing themselves in, um, you know, and I'll say, you know, to speak on, and again, we try to tread lightly and respectfully here. Um, to speak on it as a as a you know cisgendered white straight Christian male, um, you know holding all the cards in society, uh, I do. I look at you know part of why I've always loved this character is I look at it and I think and I do have the entire first run, might I add. Um, nice. I picked it up for a buck a piece at a used bookstore that had no idea what they had. I'm slowly building it up. I think I've got the first two maybe three um because i i think i've said it before on this podcast i'm building up um a long box it'll probably be more when it's all said and done but i'm building up a long box for my two daughters of comic books that i think they will dig when they start to get old enough and i'm also getting them a special comic book on each of their birthdays and so like the ms marvel run is the is the is one of the ones that i'm slowly adding to their collection to have waiting for them when they're ready yeah. And that's just it. You know, when I, when I read this, I was like, you know, this is the kind of thing that at the time I had no daughter. Um, I said, this is the kind of thing that if I had a daughter, I'd want to hand her and I'd want to say, yeah. you know, it, it feels to me and I'm making some assumptions about my four-year-old daughter and what <laughs> she will be like as she grows. But it feels to me like, like this could be her Spider-Man, like what it mm. was for me. And, and, and that's a really common comparison, frankly, um, in a lot of ways, Kamala Khan, uh, fills that which by the way it is so hard that it's spelled really similar and that we have a vice president named Kamala and a superhero named Kamala um, it it makes it really difficult for me in very different avenues of life um, but you know I look at it and I see that Kamala Khan is a character that gets a lot of comparisons to a young Peter Parker 
Mm-hmm. And and there was definitely, I mean, we could just dive right into it. That was definitely the vibe that we got in yeah. the first episode. And I, and I mean that in a good way, Jake, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I flat out loved the first episode of this show. Like I'm, I'm so bought in, man. And we can get into the mechanics behind that, but I really like your Peter Parker piece and, and circling back to kind of setting the tone for, you know, trying to anticipate maybe what our kids may enjoy. Um, I don't know, Jake, I've, I've spent some time with your kiddos. They've had play dates with my kiddos and everything like that. Yeah. I've met your daughter. I think it's totally within the realm of possibility that she will either end up a superhero or a supervillain. I, I think you are definitely on the right track. Though. Yes. <laughs> no, and I, I think, you know, uh, sticking with that Spider-Man thing, doesn't this thing, and I mean this as the highest praise possible, doesn't this thing kind of drip Spider-Verse a little bit? Like in some of the stylistic choices... Um, and I, I've tried to kind of steer clear in prep for this episode. It's funny. I've done no prep. Um, I've tried to steer clear of other people's our, reviews or our interns are on vacation this week. They didn't let us, they didn't, they didn't help us get ready. I, I tried to steer clear of other people's interviews on the subject or just so I can come and kind of, and know that my ideas are my own. Um, uh, but I did, you know, I did see a headline that said something like that the creators felt deeply inspired by Spider-Verse. And I, that shows so strongly in this first episode and in its style. And I'm totally okay with it because it's not, Oh yeah. The, the one nice thing is, is the main form is completely different. Like one is an animated piece and one is a live action piece. So it's really easy to take that inspired by approach in this capacity. I don't, I, at least one episode deep, granted there's five more waiting for us one episode deep. It doesn't feel like there's any blatant ripoff. There's, there's this homage and inspiration type of factor, which I love. And here's the thing. Longtime listener, listeners of the last year, I guess, of this podcast may may feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm going to say it because I believe it and it matters to me. I the, the Marvel TV projects that speak the most to me are the ones where they take the most creative um, like swings, where they take the biggest home run swings creatively for that particular medium, because I'm like. It's the same thing that I said when we talked about WandaVision comparing to Captain America and the Winter Soldier, right? Which is, or not the Winter Soldier, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm sorry, jeez, Mitch. Well, I mean, that was the title of the epilogue, so we'll count it. Exactly, but the thing is, is, the, the difference between the two is WandaVision was an immersive and uniquely creative television show that was built exactly for the television medium that gave us something up to that point, especially in the comic book arena that we hadn't really seen before. And uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier did a really good job of just giving you a B-level MCU movie split up over a few episodes to lay rail for the next MCU movie. Doesn't make either one of those things good, but in my mind definitely makes one of those things better because one leaned into the unique creative opportunities that a particular medium provides. That's a long-winded way of me saying that I loved the energy and the visual capacity and the vibrancy and the, the, the kind of visual storytelling that was going on stylistically with Ms. Marvel because they're leaning into, one, a consistent tone, which everyone knows that matters to us on this podcast. But then, two, it felt like I was watching something that was uniquely fit for the medium of which I was watching it on. And call me crazy, I love it when I can get some good creative stimulation on something that says this is going to work really well for this one thing we're building i i think that's that's all really well said and i think you know i'm 
you said so much great stuff there. One thing that, I, you know, when you're talking about how some of these things have, the best projects have really had a unique, I guess to put my own spin on it, I feel like they've had a unique signature of their own, right? Yeah. Uh, Sign- and- oh, there it is. Signature is the right word. There it is. Well done. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, WandaVision is the easiest example of that, given how, how um, very different its first couple of episodes were. Uh, and I think that, you know, may, I liked the Hawkeye show. It didn't really have a signature, right? And mm-hmm. um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it got us where we needed to be, but its signature was, why not a movie? And um, I, I guess for me... <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier was, they're all still under contract, so why not? Really? Yeah, it's it, seriously... It did, yeah, uh, another episode. Um, well, we, we litigated that on those episodes. You can uh, yeah. go back and hear us talk about why they took away the shield from the guy that was going to end up with the shield anyway. I don't know. <laughs> I, I will say that this one, you know, even though... Even though the Spider-Verse comparison is is strong, even though the influence is obvious, I, I mean, I guess, like, why wouldn't you admit to being influenced by the greats, right? Like, I oh, think yeah. it's just a couple of years out. We all understand Spider-Verse's very important place in this pop culture and in this genre. We all understand that the game is different since it came out. And so, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of like being a musician and saying... Yeah, you know, I really I was inspired by the Beatles when I wrote this. Like, well, yeah, no crap. And uh, so, not to so was literally anybody else that picked up a six string guitar. Well, and that's <laughs> just it. And so this show looks around and says, "Why reinvent the wheel when we could just put our own spin on what we already know works?" I I think that there's, I think that there is something really beautiful about that, and and it speaks to if not all art, at least the collaborative consciousness that is behind comic book entertainment and here's the thing about that coming back to that consistent tone too like it's 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 approach but it's also are you landing on a tone that is consistent with what your character is attempting to unpack organically because the other thing is too is like one thing that spider-verse did really really well is and the same thing with spider-man homecoming i would say those those two properties did a great job of remembering that they're dealing with teenagers. And I know that that seems really like maybe like obvious, but at the same time, it's really difficult sometimes to get those tones consistent, especially when you're dealing with connected properties and IP and trying to get dark and emotional and stuff like that. But like Ms. Marvel, I think it's consistent in tone, not because it's just being inspired by something that worked well. It's consistent in tone because Ms. Marvel is like, you know what? We're telling a story about a couple of teenagers. So what if we made this show feel like you were watching something that would be meaningful to a couple of teenagers while still giving you a good nuanced character study at least that's what it seems like they're setting the tone for so i really i really appreciate that again giving us something that is unique to this particular property and it feels like the music choices, the graffiti art, the 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 moving graphics on screen, the the qu- the decision to do quick cuts at specific moments, the dolly shots, the they're not quite oneers, but the long extended dolly shots that are a little bit more dynamic that move angle without cutting and stuff like that, like all of that are stylistic choices that I feel are indicative to a more fluid and not quite frenetic, but a little bit more up and down type 
type of lifestyle that comes with being a teenager that's coming of age, right? And so it's like that all is gracefully feeding into this tone and this watching experience that makes you realize more than just you're watching something unique, but that concept of you're living in a world that belongs uniquely to the POV of these two main characters. This Man, you're so eloquent. And I think you're exactly right. Here's the thing is like, I also want to grab that by saying I, I have so much respect for them casting. And, and she's 19, um, Iman Villani, who plays uh, Kamala Khan. Um, but casting an actual teenager to play a teenager, like while Game of Thrones was expecting me to believe that the Stark kids were, were 12 and 13 for a solid decade. And, like any, or like anybody on television, well, like, pretty sure Stranger, everybody on One Tree Hill were in their twenties. Well, that's it. And like Stranger Things is starting to stretch that a little bit, but at least they started right, and it's just the timeline's getting away from them, right? But it's yeah. only taking them ten years to do a four season show, <laughs> right? Well, not just it, like, but so many shows go out and they grab. I mean, look, I'm I'm not trying to downplay the genius of Steven Spielberg or the importance of him in pop culture. I am saying. We treat the man like he's some sort of uh, some sort of revolutionary for being like I don't know. Let's let kids play kids, and and you get so many people and out there wanna, that want to. And you want to know what? Et and Hook both changed Thank lives you. for two different generations. Right. right, and so like you get these people that want to cast like twenty nine year olds to play fourteen year olds, and and like it works sometimes, right? Like I, I know we could sit here and we could probably lob back and forth some examples of when it has worked. But there's something refreshing about seeing teenagers play teenagers. And Amon Vellani, and Amon Vellani, this this based off of some very very limited research I've done. This appears to be her first mainstream screen work. I don't know what she, what she's done in the past. I'm sure she's done stage. You know, she studied stuff. You know, whatever. But like, this seems to be her main stage, her main screen debut. And just in that first episode alone, with the level of nuanced emotional reactions that she's got to have in various different situations seems like she's got the chops to be able to pull that off you know like she she experienced extreme excitement and euphoria and complete and utter bewilderment and confusion and heartbreak in this first episode because she's a teenager and teenagers feel things extremely and frequently and um, she felt all those things in that one episode and every single time her, her facial reactions and her subtle choices on communicating that were very, very clear without being too and terribly showy. So it does seem like that she's, she's got the right kind of chops to be able to curate this experience for us. Right. I, that's exactly right. And, and that's just it. Like her talent is showing through in everything and in the way that she's able to approach this role, she's able to, she's believable in the role in so many ways, both as somebody who's passionate about superhero stuff, both as a kid who got what she's always wanted. Uh, and as, as a kid, who's just trying to grow up with a family that has one set of expectations that aren't inherently bad. They're just not the same as hers. And all of that is so it's so related. And, you know, to go back to the identity of it, you know, as someone who, who can't, I can't say what it's like to grow up as a young Muslim girl in Jersey City. But I think we all know what it's like to have a culture or a family or, or a heritage around you that expects one thing out of you that maybe you don't feel like you fit into. And mm. within degrees, I think that's a relatable experience across the board. 
And she brings relatability to it. And we find that common ground. And that's where that representation piece becomes so beautiful is how it is at the same time universal and entirely unique to its experience. Ooh, that's such a good way to capture it. And the, the representation piece cannot be overstated. This just matters so much to a degree that we can't we can't fully speak to, but it's it's important and it's great and it's vibrant and it's wonderful to see. Um, and you know, I'm, and I'm grateful to see the familial um, chemistry there too. It does seem like one episode deep that these characters under that roof are are tapping into something believable, tangible, organic, and something that grows, something that's got that give and take, which is huge. We talked about that in the the Black Widow movie too. Like when when those mm. when those pieces are going to be so key to a story, then the the connection and chemistry piece is, is so vital to making that worthwhile through the watch, right? Because that's, that's going to be the vessel that we journey through here is going to be, we're going to be seeing the ramifications of these things through the prism of a family. And we've got to be able to have that emotional buy-in and that believability that these people care for each other. They're weird and quirky, just like every other family. And they're arguing about random stuff. There, there are weird, or there are hard lines in the sand that are being drawn that's that other people are crossing like you've got to be able to believe the stakes and the idiosyncrasies at the same time i think i think we're getting there um it, it, at least the establishing moments here i'm i think i'm bought in i'm right there with you man i'm completely bought in on it let me ask you a question that i i feel like i feel like the answer is a little i kind of almost know what you're going to say and it's really similar to what i would say oh i could be wrong um, but I think it's dominated enough the conversation that it bears at least a couple minutes here. How do you feel about the change to her superpowers, to her, or, you know, whether you say the origin of them or the function of them, either way, how do you feel about them making that shift? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and maybe I'm about to shoot myself in the foot here because I'm not as, a, we're not talking about my favorite superhero. Like I, I recognize sure like Superman is my guy. I've made that clear to everybody. And anybody in the comic book arena knows that you're going to be more emotionally involved when it's your one or two favorite characters. So I'm confident that the people that are more disappointed in the creative agency taken here are probably ones that are more emotionally tied to this character. And I understand that. And I want to be sensitive to that. But that being said, this is not the first time we've seen something like this happen. This is not the first time we've seen something like this happen and it work really, really well. And two or three, can't count Mitch, geez. And three, I, we don't know where the runway of this thing ends yet until I'm proved with as much as I enjoyed the first episode until I'm proven. Otherwise I want to give the screenwriters and the writing team, the benefit of the doubt here to say that, Hey, we made this change because it's probably going to make the most sense for whatever it is that we want to deliver upon or whatever statement it is we want to make, you know, at the, at the climax of this thing. But like you think about Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, you know, like, I, now, granted, Twitter wasn't a thing back then. I'm sure it would have. I'm sure it would have been a bigger deal at that point. But like, that's that's a paramount example. It's just there. There's a lot of instances where there's some creative agency here, and um, I think we're far enough into this comic book movie thing, Jake, that I think it's okay as long as they keep the integrity of the character um, intact, and if the payoff is worthwhile. Um, I know that that's kind of a non-answer, but that's how I feel. Where, what's your take? 
I think we're pretty much in the same ballpark. Um, trying to not steal your answer outright and maybe reframe it in enough of a way to make it original. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think you're spot on. And I, I think that I like where you're coming from because I do think it's important to remember that, you know, there is that, there is that emotional connection and people react away be the, the way they do for a reason. Um, at the same time, you know, it's, we say this all the time, and we've been saying it since I think our very first episode, if not the first, the second. I don't need these adaptations to be a one-to-one. In fact, yeah. I would find that fairly boring. Now, there are some... One of, one of our more consistent thesis statements. Yeah, that one hasn't shifted a lot. Uh, you know, it's an interpretation, folks, and it's okay to prefer the other interpretation. Um, you know, frankly... As a lifelong comic book fan, there are very few film or television adaptations of these properties that I prefer to the comics. Um, well, and can can we can we also just like for the sake of the argument, also just mention like give Miss Marvel enough time and enough runs yeah. in the comic book arena, and I'm going to tell you right now, her origin is not going to be consistent. <laughs> She's living on another planet than the most recent issue that I read, I, and I think I'm about six months behind, but. Come on, guys. Yeah, that's exactly you know, right. The only thing that hasn't changed is the Waynes in the alley. That's it. <laughs> Superman <laughs> used to, or Batman, I mean, used to wear a rainbow-colored suit. Okay, guys? So the, the, the biggest thing here is I, I come back to the writer's room, right? Like, what is yeah. what is it that they want to say throughout this journey and this process? And I'm willing to bet that the choice that they made probably was more, you know, it powerful to whatever it is journey that we're going to be going on with Kamala. And so the, th the thing is here is this is, I'm assuming this is going to be a coming of age story of sorts. This is going to be about self-discovery and self-empowerment and representation. And yes, to all of those things, the creative choices that they're making about the origin of the powers probably speak to the greater character nuance and journey that she's going to be taking throughout these six episodes. And if that's going to help cement the tone and help complete the story arc, I'm all for it you know and here's the other thing that i don't think is getting brought up enough and i hate to be that guy because i don't like being negative about stuff but the reality is that miss marvel's superhero origin in the comics is the lone bright spot in one of the most ill-advised story arcs marvel has ever done and that was the story where black bolt of the inhumans spread terrigen mist across the planet so that there would be more inhumans and people with that DNA that didn't know about it would become inhumans. And she was one of them. And, and, and I got to tell you, the, the reason behind the whole thing, and the, here's the irony I'm getting at. I think that the anger about this is people who are cynical about it and suspect that it's a corporate synergy thing that changed her powers because the inhumans are in a weird limbo and her powers are a little visually similar to Mr. Fantastic. And so I think there's a cynicism saying, well, there's a corporate mandate to change her powers. Look, gang, her entire origin was part of a corporate mandate. Marvel was pushing the Inhumans because they didn't have the rights to the X-Men films. And so they were trying to have the Inhumans take that spot. There's been no secret about that. I mean, let's be consistent, guys, okay? It's the same thing. It's just which version of the same thing do you want? And it was, a, it was corporate synergy the first time around. And frankly, corporate synergy in the name of a worse project. So I, <laughs> I frankly... While if you're asking me which version of the powers do I prefer, I don't know yet about this one. Visually, I love the idea of her fists getting huge and her feet getting huge. 
At the same time, I have no problem what I saw in episode one, and I'm frankly fascinated by the notion that something from her family is what gives her her powers instead of a half-cocked scheme by a character that had languished in obscurity for a couple decades until Marvel needed him to unseat Wolverine. So Precisely. It's definitely a lot more meaningful, at least through the prism that we're getting this television show, it seems like. And that, I think, like, that matters. Also, like, come on, they didn't get, you, you want to talk about messing with stuff. They never gave Patrick Stewart the eyebrows. And you want to talk you. about, and you want to talk about you. something that at the time when they first came out, I thought it was sacred. <laughs> and and I got past it. But again, the, the big caveat here is I don't want to overspeak to the emotional attachment that some folks have to this character. And that that part of it really matters. I think about like the Birds of Prey movie and how one of those main characters was a complete reimagining of the origin of the character and the powers or lack thereof and everything like that. And I remember, I loved that movie. I thought that movie was awesome and it's incredibly rewatchable and it's one, it's in the upper tier of the DCEU canon, but you know, I have a good internet buddy whose opinion that I respect a great deal and is very heavily involved in the comics that said that change was too much for him and they couldn't enjoy the movie as they wanted to, because it just, it mattered so much to them because of that character change. And I get that because, they're at a different level of emotional involvement than me so i do think it's important for us to acknowledge that like we both have to just say like i get it that's totally at play but also i'm not going to let that ruin it for me in this particular case and i don't want that to make it seem like we're insensitive i just think it's us encountering this television show not quite at face value but for the entertainment value and we want to see where the story goes and that's just it. And here's me, a big hypocrite that accidentally teaches his kids a new swear word every time they try to bring Ben Riley back in the comics. So, you know, I, yes. I, I get it. You know, it matters to people. And I think that's okay. I think it's just about finding that mutual respect where we say, look, we can all think things are, we can privately think things are, you know, insane, don't make sense, bad plot points. Doesn't mean we have to spew it out onto the internet. And we can just all live in that place of mutual respect. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. So Jake, one episode deep, we've got five more waiting for us. What's your perspective here? Are you optimistic? Are you meh? Are you, what, what, what are we doing here? I'm heavily optimistic that this is going to be uh, something that it's going to increase in quality as it goes, because it's hard to realize, like we barely saw any superheroing in that first episode. Right. Yeah. So as more of that comes in, um, as Kamala's story grows, especially as some of those relationships that are so great in the comics continue to develop. And uh, I am going to say I will be disappointed and I will not allow it to affect my final rating on the show itself. I will I will bring journalistic integrity to it. And yes, I just watched all the president's men, but I uh, coming in hot with that. Dustin in real hot. I'm going to do that. Robert Redford stuff right here, man. Um, I. Uh, <laughs> It's one of the stupidest things I've said in a while. Um, but am, very well appreciated. I'm going to be personally disappointed if the villain of this season is not the inventor, the uh, Albert, I or not Albert Einstein, um, the Thomas Edison clone that accidentally got placed into the body of a humanoid peacock. Peacock? No. Um, what's the what's the bird? It's like a pet bird. You have cockatoo. Humanoid cockatoo. cockatoo um cockatiel even maybe i think it's a cockatiel we, we yeah we we need a sinister cockatoo in our lives and disney plus is just the place to give it to us it's it's so weird because like in the comic it's so jarringly silly 
And then wouldn't you know it, Kamala turns around and gives like one of the best monologues that I'd read in five years to this cockatiel. And I'm just like, what the crap, man? How is this happening? So yeah, I, I personally want to see that zaniness paired with the emotion. Um, but we'll see if they go that route. There we, we're hopeful. We're hopeful the cockatoo will make an appearance. Fingers <laughs> crossed, y'all. I'm stoked about this. I loved the first episode. It was a great visual experience, solid storytelling, and just a lot of fun. And, and I'm, I'm in for that tone, and I'm in for that tone with this character. And so hopefully Ms. Marvel continues to be um, incredibly entertaining, sticks the landing and all of it, because it is an exciting time to see this character getting the limelight. And I just want it to do well. 100% with you. I, yeah. And, and I think that's well said and maybe brings me to how I feel is that I'm really rooting for this show and I'm rooting for yeah. every show, right? Like the worst thing I've seen in ages that I almost just named, I was rooting for it to be good. Right. But, but I really want you this one to succeed. were not rooting for Venom too. That wasn't it, man. I was oh. not rooting for I Morbius. Just... I'm going to own it right now. <laughs> Morbius I... bombed and I'm happy about it. Okay. Yep. F confession. It was never Morbin time in my heart, but uh, <laughs> uh... It's, it's never Jared Leto time. It's it, never, never. <laughs> oh my gosh. He... M Ms. Marvel though. Legit. So off good. To a off to a strong start. I really hope our listeners are watching along so we can tweet and have some good times uh, celebrating the show because it does seem like we're going to be in for a fun, entertaining, unique experience. So Ms. Marvel, folks, check it out on Disney+. Plus. We want you to watch along with us. And of course, hit us up on Twitter with your takes at Watch Comics Pod. That's comics with an X at Watch Comics Pod. We want to hear from you. What are your early takes on the Ms. Marvel show? And uh, what are your favorite parts? Because we think this is a show that's fun to talk about and, and we want to pay close attention to it we will of course be circling back to finish up the season and do a full retrospective episode so we can see how our takes aged it's always an exciting time to check that out so anyway thank you so much listeners for joining us on the watching comics podcast if you are a longtime listener we love having you along if you are a brand new listener welcome we love having you along too if you dig this episode and you dig this show please give us a rating or review on whatever pod platform you listen to us on it's a great way to celebrate the platform it's a great way to help other people discover us along the way it's nice to pay it forward and if you do so we promise to give you a lifetime supply of free high fives no one can say no to that deal thank you again so much folks hit us up on twitter we want to hear from you and we will be coming at you next week with some more awesome stuff we'll talk to you then